Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Folk Voice Music on our show this week, episode 180. My special guest is singer, songwriter, pianist, and teaching artist, Charlotte Martin. Charlotte is a mentor for aspiring singers who want to hone their skills as songwriters. Her poetic lyrics, powerful voice, and dynamic performances have earned her a large, loyal following, and she has helped countless students discover their unique voices and express themselves through their music. Charlotte works with students of all ages, including very young children. Insights from a passionate teaching artist right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, thank you, and welcome to the Full Voice Podcast. My friend and colleague, I am so thankful you are here. I have a fabulous interview. And first, I want to shout out and I want to celebrate you. If you are a teaching artist, my goodness, so many people do not understand how different it is from being in the studio and teaching to being the creative person sharing their art on stage. I have been there and it was it was a beautiful time but it was a challenging time and I am so thrilled to share this conversation with you. Charlotte Martin has probably 3 lifetimes of experience in the music industry. She has been recording and releasing music since 1998. She has released an enormous uh, uh, album, a catalog of albums. And not only that, but she is running a teaching studio, working with singers of all ages and sharing her passion for songwriting. And I just wanted to say I don't know who needs to hear this, but there are so many singers in your studio right now who are really interested in in sharing their own stories and making their music. So if you're a teaching artist, I know you're going to love this interview. If you are interested in helping singers with songwriting, Charlotte shares some incredibly fun and, uh, and helpful strategies uh, to help uh, hone that songwriter skill. So without further delay, my good friend, Charlotte Martin. Uh, welcome to the podcast. I cannot wait to have this conversation. Charlotte Martin, how are you? I am really excited to be here because I've been wanting to be here since I found out about The Full Voice almost six years ago now. Okay, so I have to tell everybody. So we have been mutually stalking each other. <laughs> it's mutual. Yes. It's it's 100% mutual because <laughs> Charlotte has been probably one of our our top customers. Every time we release a song, Charlotte is literally the first person in the store to download it. And Charlotte shared on on her social media how she works with her singers and I 
I fell in love with you. I'm just going to say it on my podcast because of the way you hold space for your singers and you're working with singers of all ages, which I love. So we have this mutual, she tags me, I stalk her. She stalks me. So now we're friends and now we're talking (laughs) on the podcast. So, um, Charlotte, can you, you have such an incredible story. You've lived, it's almost like three lives simultaneously. Um, let's, let's start, let's start from the beginning. Can you let everybody know how you got started in this crazy industry? Uh, yes. I mean, I, my parents are both music educators. So my dad taught collegiate woodwind for 53 years at Eastern Illinois university, where I actually ended up graduating college. My mom was a K through 12 elementary music teacher, and she had a degree in piano and voice. Um, both sight read like monsters. Um, my mom directed musicals. I mean, I grew up around it. I'm from a tiny town in Illinois. So these, this is the eighties. I mean, I was performing in, in old folks homes as my mom would call them, um, and retirement centers as early as four. Wow. And playing by ear as early as four. That's the first, like, three or four, the first recordings they have. Um, but when the first voice teacher moved to town that would take kids, her name's Jody Kinsler. She, we're still, she's my mom's best friend now. All there was was opera. Oh. You know? So I signed up. I was one of her first students. I signed up when I was seven for piano and voice, and it was classical. And I latched on pretty quickly. So by nine, I was already singing arias. Wow. Like, and I was I did gnats and did the whole thing. I was in the, you know, the competition circuit. And I trained with her up through high school. And the plan was I was going to get my PhD and teach like my dad. Like I um, you know, I loved opera and I between you and me, and there's certain operas I love, and I love classical music. That has been my upbringing. But the main reason I loved opera is because everybody told me I was good at it. Mm-hmm. And it's like superhuman singing, this kind of singing. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and I was, you know, I was queen of the night. I was, I was blonde. I never... Queen of the Night was a bit dramatic for me, but I could do the high A6 and the high F. And I was... I had a full scholarship. It was like wow. the quarterback, right? I had staff parking. Like I was the coloratura of that college. And uh, I was on track to go to IU and get my master's and halfway through my senior year in college. Now I should back up. In college, I moved one mile away from my parents. Right. Like I moved out. Mm. Um and I moved in with a bunch of art majors and music majors. And that's when I got introduced to Tori Amos, right? Sarah McLaughlin, Nine Inch Nails, The Cure, everything that I that influenced me back then, right? So halfway through my senior year, my best friend in college committed suicide. <clears throat> and that is how I started writing. So I'd never really, and I grew up playing piano. So I played by ear. I cheated a lot. I cheated on my sight reading exams. <laughs> but, you know, because it was faster for me. And Jody, Jody, so here's the thing. Jody, my first voice teacher, would help me cheat. And this stuck with me because my ear was faster than reading it. So I was able to read just enough to get the top line. But if you, I mean, I could do Bach two-part inventions back then with just listening and then just doing it. I was like wow. a monkey. Now it's harder because <laughs> there's too much music in my head. Sure. But back then, it's just like a sponge. And my memory for it was crazy. So Melissa died. I started writing songs. And at the time I was confused about what I wanted to do. Like I thought I'm writing all these songs. 
I'm seeing these artists do this. And now I'm starting to create music that I really, the music I care about. It's not, it's not just me caring about how great I, I'm executing it. Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. connection to it and the connection to the people. And I performed it at a funeral in front of 900 scared, confused teenagers going, why did our friend do, you know what I mean? And for me, that was the first big, big, big traumatic thing that had happened. And then the very next year, my uncle on New Year's Eve was accidentally killed in a car accident. Oh, no. And this is, I know it's horrible. And this is very pivotal though for me because he never could have kids. He was super involved in the arts and Mm. education. I mean, he was involved in community theater, my Uncle Mike. He's the one that took me to audition for all the musicals in Chicago and He was at every recital, everything I ever did. He left my mom a little money because he didn't have kids. Not much. My parents were able to send me out to LA with $30,000 and a Saturn. Oh, I had one year. My parents are teachers. They have no money. They can't like bankroll this. And (laughs) if I moved out here, I needed to know. My town is 10,000 people, Nikki. It's not like, you know, it's the smart move to wake up and go, I'm just going to move to Hollywood and try to get a record deal. That's literally what I did. Wow. Literally. But the years of, I mean, the classical training that I've had, and it's been solid. That's why I'm writing a method book. Mm -hmm. The training that I had, I had the discipline. I knew how to practice. So when I moved out here with my one year's worth of money, I mean, I was doing it eight hours a day in front of a mirror. I rented a piano in my apartment. I practiced all day. I wrote all day. Like that was my full-time job. I did not fart around. You know, you can probably take that out, but you know, I I did not mess around. I didn't mess around. I I approached it like I would graduating college, right? Like like a job, like a pro, like a job. And then mysteriously. So I went to the same coffee shop. It's kind of an amazing story. One coffee shop called insomnia and it's still there because I was too scared to drive anywhere else. And I made my entire social life was at this one coffee shop for a year and I'm running out of money. I've got to do something fast. So one of my friends at the coffee shop said, Hey, I'll help you book a show. Cause I, I wow. thought I was good live ish. Right, right, right. So it was a closed down strip club, believe it or not, called mama guy in Hollywood. That's the only place I could get a show. Cause I didn't have a demo. I didn't have a anything. You know, I just had my show and my songs I'd been working on. And then I, I never had debt before, but I got my first credit card. I was 24. Wow. First credit card. Didn't tell my parents charged a grand piano. <gasps> wow. Like a crazy person. I mean, it was 10 grand, but back then in 19 or this was That's 2000, a lot right? of money back then. Yeah. It's a lot of money. My mom was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm betting on myself. I'm betting on myself. Let's do this. Let's do this. And then my neighbor in my apartment complex Fired it. We got about a hundred people there. And I knew one person that worked in Interscope Records as a scout that went to this coffee shop. One. And I said, just come. I know nobody goes anywhere. I've been working for a year. I'm probably going to have to go home. I have like a hundred songs. Can you just come? He came. And like the rest is kind of history. Like four months later, there was a bidding war between five major labels. And I had already signed to Beck's label. And I was a millionaire. Like I had a million bucks in the bank at 24 years old. Wow. Going, okay, now what do I do? Wow. Scared, actually. With a team of like, then I had another manager, then I had an attorney, then I had business management, then I, you know, then all of a sudden, then I had a booking agent. Then it's like, all of a sudden, small town girl hits the big time and then nothing happens. Mm. But that's not really what this is about. This story is about 
kind of is about teaching music. Mm -hmm. So back up to my first record deal. Technically, I sounded pretty trained mm. when I first started recording. Sure. Um, I did a record called One Girl Army for, for Beck's label. And um, it never ended up coming out. But I remember struggling with my vibrato being very heavy. Mm. I remember struggling with things sounding over enunciated uh. and not understanding with microphones because I'd never had the experience of singing into a $5,000 mic. Like I didn't understand. I'd only done stage stuff. And TV, but still it was different. So closing the T's with the back of your throat was not something that would ever cross my mind, things right. like that. Right. Or fabricating distortion mm. to protect my voice, right? Mm. Like I didn't, no one ever taught me those things. So I slowly started making little exercises, little techniques, I would call them, to try to write them into my, my vocal takes. Because wow. I mean, none of the producers, including my ex-husband, who produced everything I have out except for the new stuff that's about to come out, it's kind of amazing. Even his vocal production, which is, I base everything I do now on what he did, but the notes are, can you sing a little less? Or, oh my gosh. Can, this yes. is, but this is the norm. Yes. No, you're so, right. I Can I just speak to that? I totally yes. understand where you're coming from because I spent decades of doing session work and it you, you come into you get hired for certain certain sessions and you can tell when the engineer and the producer are not singers because they don't know they don't know what's going on they don't understand the instrument right they and don't they, understand they could be incredible musicians and I know that they knew what they wanted but they could not articulate it and I have experienced that time and time and time again and nothing was more glorious when you did work with the guy or the girl who could tell you and you know what I need like give me some vocal fry on that or can you just kinda, yes right yes they, they can could you, can never you tone down the vibrato can right. you do you know how to tone down right. the vibrato mm -hmm. which that kind of stuff that was hard mm -hmm. so you can actually hear before I started my studio and my school and anything like that, you can actually go back and go online and go from record to record and hear my voice develop. Like right. 2014, my voice, it's awful vocal takes. I had laryngitis for seven months. I've had all kinds of vocal and like craziness too. I mean, when you've been singing as long as I have for a living, I mean, I'm still getting over, I had COVID laryngitis last year. Oh, I remember I seeing through that. It. Oh my gosh. I sang through it. I, I, I could not have done that 20 years ago. Right. But now I have enough experience and enough. It was my classical training that enabled me to continue to work around it. Like had mm -hmm. I not understood mm -hmm. what head voice was, mm -hmm. right, and understood how to speak up here and all that stuff, right. I would have been in, in trouble. Sure. Deep trouble. So over the years, you can hear it. But um, so would you say in a way you were kind of unlearning your training as you were discovering yourself as an artist? Yeah. And I actually was going to write a book called, uh, I was going to call it Untraining. Oh, that's and brilliant. Until I realized that I still actually use a lot of my training. Of course. It's a foundation, right? It, there, there, yeah. you, can't, you can't take it away. But, but when you, yeah, there seems to be this, you get to a place where your training is 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 the roots of the system, but the branches need to go in different directions. And it's very, and that's what, you know, I've had, I've taught many voice teachers 
for this exact thing, literally, where they're coming in for music theater, where they're coming in from opera, whatever it is, and they want to sound less trained so they can do some more contemporary type stuff with their kids, even. I'll give them 10 things to work on, less enunciation, don't pronounce your T's, uh, try some harder on sets, things like that, to kind of just kind of make it sound a little grittier that won't hurt. And then if it's, I always tell them, if it sounds natural, sprinkle it into your stuff. If it sounds natural, then that it'll, it'll, you'll start adapting it. And then if it doesn't sound or feel natural, because at a certain point, Nikki, I'm sure like even you, you've been singing your whole life. Would you say now it's more by feel than oh, it is by absolutely. anything? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think, you know, in my thirties, I, I stopped worrying about so many things and I stopped yeah. thinking about it. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting because you, you are so hyper-focused on everything as you're learning, as you're, you know, working with teachers and then, yeah, you get to a point where it's like, I, I'm just going to sing. And, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. You don't think about it. Like what you, what you, you want a student to get to a place where it's completely automatic, right? However, it, that takes a while. And that's why I'm so passionate. I don't have a lot of kids students right now for whatever in this semester that I'm doing, but I'm very passionate about it because pitch is learned. Now, I believe some people can be born with a faster process. I was. Yeah. I don't absolutely. have perfect pitch. My dad does. Like he can hear anything and name you the pitch. I have relative pitch, right? But I have developed my relative pitch now from feel. So I can start all my songs in the right key without hearing, playing the note for the most part, even if I, because it's, I can feel where the D is. I can feel the vowel. I can feel how much air it takes. My body remembers how to do it. Um, I'm, I'm working with a woman, I'm writing a method book. I can talk about that later, but I'm working with a woman, her, her doctorate was studying pitch memory and infancy. Oh, interesting. And the earlier Dr. Val and the earlier you start. So my parents were singing when I was inside the faster it is. So my mom on these long trips as a kid teaching me how to harmonize it three and four. Now I can harmonize to anything on the spot, but I was a baby, you know? Like so so the earlier the better, honestly. I, I really like that you brought that up because that's true. You know, we when we we get students and sometimes there's different reasons why they struggle with pitch. And sometimes it is just a lack of exposure. They have not been sung to. They have not, maybe it's a household where there's no music in the house. And I think there was it's a very really, common. It, well, there was a report, there was an article written about like young moms and dads don't sing to their kids and there's language development delays because of it. And it, I'm, and of course, my heart breaks. I'm like, just sing to your children for crying out loud. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't get it. I, I don't know. get it. And I mean, I had my kids, and what's so funny is neither of them do music, and both oh. of their parents are professional musicians. Yep. Mm -hmm. You, 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 and I know the pain. Yes. <laughs> it's it's like really, and my daughter has such a pretty voice, and mm -hmm. she's just like. Mm -hmm. Many break. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, this is what people come to me for. You, you could actually let your mother show you. I know. We have a son not interested in music whatsoever. He played at the music, uh, grade six music performance, had to play the ukulele and looked like someone was, you know, murdering him. Mine too. It's so painful. And all their, like my son's friends 
are like in a band. They play Nirvana. His best friends, they ask his dad is in a rock band. They ask his dad questions. His dad has 25 guitars. Nope, no interest at all. And uh, however, it doesn't matter. When they were babies, I took them to all those little baby classes, A, because I needed to get out of the house, as new moms, you just do. And B, I knew at the very least, it would help them later just to have that in them. So they both have amazing pitch. They can both pretty much pick anything out by ear on the piano or guitar if they sit down and try. There's just no interest there. But I made sure I put it in them when they were babies. So in case they wanted to tap into it later, it's never too late. You're never too young, but the younger, the better. And that's where you guys come in, you know? Now, I wanted to, you work with with, uh, students of all ages, and I've seen some really incredible videos that you share on your socials um, of you doing musicianship skills with your littles. What, as as a composer, songwriter, what are the important skills you really get your students to work on? Um. Well, I try now I'm trying to really keep those two, the voice lessons with kids and the songwriting separate because I'm, it's a new thing I'm trying. I've had a lot of kids that all they want to do is write little songs, which is great, which is great. And so I, when they are generally under seven, because the youngest student I've had, I've had a few that started at four. One of them wow. I still have, and she's turning nine. Oh, wow. Yes. Great. Yes. And it's mostly been online. Um, they need to express. That's what I'm learning when they are young. And I've learned that separately teaching, because what I teach is writing in the rhythmic box. That is because I taught myself to write songs. Then what happens? You get signed to a record deal. I got signed to a publishing deal and everyone tells you now we don't hear a hit, go write with everybody in town. So I had to write with everybody in town too. I wrote with Carol King. I wrote with Billy Steinberg. I wrote with Shelley Pikin. None of the songs I ever used, but I learned how they did it. And then I tried to be a professional songwriter in 2007. I was managed by Network, um, you know, Chantel Craviato, those people. Um, I got some cuts. I didn't get anything majorly big, but that's when I really learned about top lining and what I call writing in the rhythmic box. So when I'm talking about songwriting with really young children, I like to separate those elements and get their rhythm established first. The only thing I have not figured out, I can't teach a person to feel one. And I'm, I'm researching it. So I'm like a, I'm a researcher, even though I only have my like little bachelor's degree. I just research because I've been singing so long. This has just been my life's thing. Um, And I could be wrong about that. I just had a kid who is not 10 years old blow my mind on Wednesday. And we wrote in and she came with note cards and ideas. So I I break it down with the songwriting in lyrics and then the music. And the lyrics, we do free association writing first. So nothing has to make sense. Nothing has to be connected. I don't like to assign meaning to any of my music if I don't have to, unless it's a work for hire. And I try to teach kids the same because I feel like it's a little more freeing. I I like that. I like that. I'm just going to, I just want to, um, that, I think that that's helpful because I think there's that intimidation, right? Like when I first started writing, I was just terrified, like who would want to hear and, and, you know, all of that, that hesitation to just, you know, 
say what you want to say. And maybe you don't even know what you want to say. I like that strategy of just free writing and no pressure, no, no pressure. And you know what, later years later, Beck did the same thing. So I, back in the day, when I started writing, I got very scared early on that I was going to have writer's block. I got very scared. I was not going to have anything to say. So I started this writing, free association writing, I called it Word Trees, which is now the name of my publishing Word company trees. for all my songs. I love that. And I mean, and for me, I would do, I would complete almost an entire journal of lists of words and broken phrases and from all kinds of things. Like from conversations, I'd get an idea. From reading poetry, I'd get a line here and then I'd hear a lyric and then I'd think of something else. Sometimes I'd just be angry and I'd need to write on it. But I'd have all these words, right, in a book, and then I would sit down to do music, not before. Because then reading the words for me, that would rhythmically inspire me to come up with things on the piano that would that were riff, riffable, that were hookable, right? Right. So that was my foolproof. I can have zero inspiration, but if I need to sit down and write something, I can because I did my homework with the words at least. I love that. Songwriting is such a creative process. And I've had really young singers come in and it's always a different way that they came to the to the song or the 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 melody that they created. I've had little ones come in and they've got uh lyrics and they've got the form marked out and they've got this is my verse and this is my stuff and they don't even play an instrument. And then I go to the piano and I'm like, okay, let's try to figure this out. And I've had that, uh, like, that's very advanced. If you're getting that, I've not had a kid bring me actually that's not true, but she's 15 and quite gifted 16 now that. Yeah. And she can pretty much fill in stuff herself, but that's very advanced. And I agree. And I just, it was, it totally caught me off guard, but then I've also had students that have just like, you know, written some lyrics like um uh uh zombie cat what's that sound was esther's little story so esther and leah shout out to my student esther and her best friend leah they wrote this song called uh zombie cats and it was about being out on halloween night and then she kind of put it together and she gave it to me and she's like could you give this to miss rodenizer to see if she could put some music to it so they didn't have any like idea melody wise and and then I kind of organized it a little bit and I said I could see this being the chorus and can it can it be a study in chromatics and Donna's magic I mean she can just take yes she is so I just I love I love the suggestion that you had there about just that free writing getting it down because I I imagine there's just so many uh young singers songwriters that just aren't sure how to get started and teachers that don't know how to support them either. Well, and honestly, I tell writers, young writers, what they're doing, even if they use nothing that they've written down, there's nothing there. They go back. What we'll do is we'll go back and see if there's anything there that was interesting. Cause I want it to be fresh. That's what you're looking for. I mean, you could write I've been writing about love for 20 years. I'm still writing about it in different ways and different kinds of love. But as a writer, you're always looking for those unique kinds of combinations. And what this does is enable them to come up with ideas faster on their own. So 
especially if it's an exercise with kids where we're going back and forth. And I literally will tell them, okay, the first thing I say, you um, write, we both write it down. The first thing I say to you, the, the idea that comes in your head, even if it's, I want chicken McNuggets, you write it down. <laughs> I write it down. Then the next thing that comes into my head, like I'm going to burn the mouse. Okay. Write that down. But what happens is we start to go fast and you kind of turn off your ego because it's about coming up with these interesting phrases and words. And then you'll go off into these rhyming tangents. You forget about the music. The music is something that's built in a different lesson now, right? Or I do it. And these are for students that are really, really, really interested. I don't have a lot of kids. I had one nine-year-old that wanted to finish the song. I had another one that told me songwriting is boring and can we just sing the songs? <laughs> you and know, so it's like, those are both valid <laughs> approaches. <laughs> they, and they, I love the honesty. Um, I love it when I'm able to do everything. Like I have some students, you know, I use your your songs for piano players too. I I'm developing. I saw that. I want, so, so tell me how you do that. I saw a video and you were working with a piano student, but it was one of our tunes. I'm like, I want to know what she is doing. So, and that amazing student, I couldn't even see her on camera for many, many sessions. And those songs every week when she was singing, they were her lifeline. Like pretty itty bitty kitty unicorn was every week for a while. Um, but the, so I am teaching people, I'm basically doing a piano for songwriters curriculum and I'm teaching people to play by ear and by chord chart and top line. So we're doing some theory so they can under, they can make it in the world. And honestly, I mean, I can ask you in all of your session work as a session singer in these studios, did you come across a lot of people that could sight read? Uh, no, actually. Um, and, and what, and here's the thing. I I mean, I was hired a lot of times because I did have music reading skills, but you know, I would say 90% of the time it was the ears, right? You gotta have the ears. You gotta be able, because even, you know, even in session work, be like, okay, let's throw some harmonies on there. And there's no piano in the, in the studio. So you gotta have the ears. So no ears, ears came first. Always, always. I, I mean, knew one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was specific sessions that that I was lucky enough to get because I was a reader. And that was, the, and I truly found those incredibly stressful because then you start second. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, I haven't sight read anything really hard. I think if somebody asked me to do a reading, like a big pro reading session, I'd probably be pretty worried because I mean, most, <laughs> of, most of the stuff we do is like, you know, diatonic in the major scale, right? If, if like they threw some curves at me I'd be like uh-oh but no ears it's ears always been ears it's and, and this will cross over into songwriting with especially with some of these kids so we will take I will print out like a, that particular student Faith hi Faith I love Faith I've had mm-hmm. Faith since she was five she's 10 now so we will I'll let her pick either mm-hmm. an old one it's always a full voice song just so you know Aww. we are only doing piano right now Thanks, we did babe. voice for years yes <laughs> so we'll pick we we did the slug one and i print oh, out nice. the version that doesn't have basically the whole grand staff just the chords oh, so the just the chords so she's playing by chords i love that 
And then, then what I will do is develop a Hannon around the rhythm mm. to help her develop and slowly learn how to like, cause that's how I play. Everything I play is rhythmic really. So, cause I, and I just understand chords, my hands know where to go. So right there, I'm teaching her how to write in the rhythmic box using your stuff on piano. Mm, so then when she that. goes to write a song, she understands. I mean, I want them to still understand what a bar is. Because even in Pro Tools session work, you have to, you under- have to it's understand It's divided that. mathematically. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like even the, the theory stuff, we still do full voice theory. I would have actually, so I felt like I had a handicap because my ear was too fast and I just never could wrap my head around sight reading very quickly. Mm. But if I would have had materials like this, I would have been, I have kids that ask to do theory because oh. of your stuff. Oh, I'm not kidding. Be- I'm not, I'm not kidding. Molly and Marilyn, can we do theory? Yes, Molly. And we've had whole sessions where we've just done theory, theory, theory. And I'm oh. going, and I've messaged Jody, my old teacher. And like, that doesn't happen. Kids don't <laughs> like theory. You have enabled my kids to like theory. Well, and then I just went... Like even the vocal exploration chart. So I should tell you this. So I post the same little girl because she's obsessed with them. Her name is Naima and she's in the Hollywood Hills. She's mostly online, but she is obsessed with the vocal exploration charts that you started. Like the ones where Where she is making, we are making so many that we have this crazy key now. With all these different kinds of warm-ups to put in them. With crying and panting and body stretching. And it's been this like mega project for six months. So when you asked me to do the podcast, I told Naima, I said, I'm going to tell her what we're working on and why. Well, you tell her I'm impressed because I love that. And can I share with you, because this came from my studio days. So that that little map that she's writing... I had one of those maps too. That's how I did a lot of session work because you got to work quick, right? So you would literally, all they give you is the lyric sheet, right? And everything's by ear. And sometimes, you know, they're like, no, it goes here. So I I came up with like a little code for writing out which way, is it a fall off note? And and you're (gasps) nodding because you do the same thing, right? It's, it's, that was the inspiration. And I love that she's taken that. And now she's using it and creating her own system. I mean, uh, oh, we're making a book of them. So I now there's, I'll send it to you. And I would love is, to see that. This is how I'm enabling kids to find their head voice that are scared mm, to sing a pop. Yes, like, you know yes. how a lot of kids, especially like approaching middle school. Oh, yes. Singing high is a very scary thing. Yeah. This eliminates it. Oh, it does. Because completely. they're just, they're following a line. They're just following the line. They take it all the way up and all the way down, not too much volume. And all of a sudden, there's your head voice. Did that hurt? Oh, I I can't thank you enough for sharing that. Vocal exploration, I think, is something that is missing from a lot of lessons. I have done those vocal explorations on a whiteboard with adults who have had profound breakthroughs. And like, and it's so heartbreaking because it's like one of my students said, no one ever gave me the permission to do things like this with my voice. And it was always, did I hit the note or didn't I hit the note? And like yep, taking correct. her out of that and just doing the lines it was like there were tears she like there was a block that came down and it was so beautiful and we just don't allow ourselves especially if you're in high level you know things to just play with the voice and I agree with you the head voice and young singers I mean they're so wrapped up in their identities at that age and they are and it's a scary it it 
you and I know it takes it takes more strength. It it takes more air. It takes more strength to sing higher. It's less taxing on the voice, but it's very untapped, especially at that age if they've not had voice lessons. Even for my daughter, once she realized she would crack, oh, when she'd flip, yeah, right, yeah. she wouldn't sing anything high for like two years. She would not do it, and she was so self conscious. And I realized even then, like, not only being a voice teacher. Helping people come up with songs, it's such a vulnerable um, position. And and you when you started out the conversation, like holding space for people, that is exactly what I do. Now, I do have some people where I usher it along, and I can do that. But I like to give everybody the opportunity to get better at it. And I really am selling that. I'm selling when I have people sign up for whatever it is, whether it's songwriting, whether it's voice lessons, piano lessons, it doesn't matter. I want them to sign up to do the actual work. I'm not, these, these apps, Nikki, that I'm seeing AI writing your songs for you. It, it literally makes me physically ill. Like I I'm coming from the studio world. I don't auto tune myself, um, on your shore. I mean, I'm, a rare breed now, but that was recorded live with no click, that whole record in the wow. studio. Like, wow. Because I wanted, and, and there's, and I have pitch problems and I left them. Yeah. I didn't allow Ken to go in and comp every other word. I'm not into that. I want a real performance because I believe, I don't believe it's going to completely die if there's teachers like you and me that are teaching people how to actually sing through songs. Yeah. I, uh, we uh, we were looking at the new AI voices that they now have for not, we weren't using them. We, we came across the information and I was like, oh my gosh. And how like you can modify the formant and the vibrato and everything. But it's still, to me, it doesn't sound like there's no, and you can like add expression. It, like I'm not there yet. Like I just find it a little strange. And plus the amount of manipulation that you have to do to the voice to make it sound. The first thing I'll say is if you do not understand how voices work, you won't figure it out. And two, <laughs> if you got all that time, I, that's what I said to Sean. I said, well, I could sing that track at least, you know, 42 times in the time that you took to, to manipulate. Anyhow, so I know the AI is... is the AI is something, but I think, you know, it will never replace the work and the exploration and the creativity that that only a human brain can do. There's certain things, and listen, I'm not anti-autotune and melodyne. In certain cases, in certain genres, for certain things, it's a it's a vibe, it's a sound. I, I can't knock it. Like I'm a huge Mike Dean fan. He's that that man on keyboards is a freaking genius. He's incredible. He's incredible. And I know that that part of the sound is the hardest setting to get that vocal sound to be current, right? right. If he were my student, I'd still teach him how to sing it to make it sound like it was auto-tuned. <laughs> you know, I'd want him to be able to execute it. And I tell people, even if we can't get it perfect, then I would want to get it as close as possible for your, your own... Imposter syndrome is a thing. It really, really, even the most accomplished musicians that I've toured with deal with imposter syndrome. Like, and I've toured with some people. I've dealt with it. I deal with it less when I put the hard work in. Yeah. 
Oh, that's so good. I have, um, I, I know that you, you didn't just record, you did, you co-produced like a lot of your work and you also sat in the engineer's chair. So you have all of this experience in the production part. How do you work that with your students? How do you do that? How do you share that with, when you're working with your singers? If, if I have a student or an artist that's really, really interested in recording themselves, then what I do set them up in Pro Tools. So I'll make sure they have some kind of a laptop, usually a Mac. I mean, I've done it with, with um, PCs before. I usually have them get a, a little focus right, you know, a little inexpensive condenser mic, a little baby controller. Yeah. And uh, they download like the free version of Pro Tools and start playing around. Um, generally, they need help setting up the I.O., the inputs and outputs and things like that. Um, but if I can get them to the point of programming drums. So I started in Pro Tools in 2000 because RCA was sitting on me and they would not let me start my record. And my then boyfriend, soon to be husband, but he was also a producer, Ken Andrews, he produced all my stuff with me in Pro Tools. So he sh showed me a few things and I illegally produced <laughs> my first ever EP called Test Drive Songs and RCA let me sell it at shows. I was signed. Legally, I could not sell that EP. And I, I my product manager, he's, he's like, Charlotte, I was opening for Damien Rice. I'm gonna never forget it. Selling this thing. And he's like, oh, what's Test Drive Songs? And you have to understand, One Girl Army, my first album had been shelved. Then RCA sat on me for about three years before I could even start recording because they didn't know what to do with me, but they wouldn't drop me. So I was kind of annoyed. So I just, that's why I learned Pro Tools. I'm like, if they're not going to make my record, I'm going to learn how to make it myself. And so thus began my production journey because I was desperate to work, you know? And now, I mean, I'm producing full records and programming everything. It's an invaluable tool. Like it's, you know, and it I, is. I, 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 I've always, uh, I've always been fortunate cause I've always had, uh, partners and my husband is the, the, you know, uh, uh software the expert, the my engineer sound guy. Right. And I'm so You're lucky. You're so lucky. And I, I often think, you know, I'll come in here and I'm like, I don't even know how to set up the podcast interview <laughs> with this stuff. See, I probably couldn't do that. Like mm. I'm really bad with everything else. And that's why, so I don't have a formal way yet I haven't figured out how to formally introduce recording, especially mm -hmm. to some of my young singers. Mm -hmm. If they have an interest and they're in town, a lot of them will want to sit there and experiment with my, yeah. like, experiment with Omnisphere. I'll have the controller out. I'll let them program as a feel. But unless they really want, like there's one kid I am producing, producing that lives in Chicago and she's sitting there and she's watching me do it just yeah. like the older girls where they're, they're about to release stuff. Right. That's different. It's not even a lesson. I'm going to teach her how to sing it because they were going for this artist thing. The rest of them, I haven't found one that would want to keep going. It gets a little boring for them, believe it or not. No, I believe it. I'm full disclosure. I may not have been paying attention when we were recording albums back in the day when the drums were being laid down. I could never... <laughs> It was too much. I was like, I'm hearing I noises, know. but I don't know why. And, and I, again, it, there's just a certain, it does take a specific 
interest and attention and ability. And I would also say too, like that is such a, a specific ear thing. Like my husband can hear, you know, everything and he'll be like, do you hear that? And like, I'm like, nope, I don't hear it's, that. It's it, but that's even developed as well. I, I think over the years now for just from sitting and listening to singers mm-hmm. and then listening in headphones and then producing people's vocals and you get used to listening. This is how I teach people to play by ear. This is exactly it. I teach them to find the bass first. Most people can't find anything like that. We take for granted. We go to college. We get these classical degrees. You go back to, you know, music theory where you're analyzing, you know, all Beethoven nine symphonies, right? You take it for granted that you know how to do that. You know, they teach you how to listen for the low end, for the exposition, for the development, for the recapitulation, for the key changes. If you're not used to actively listening like that, it's very hard. It's very hard. And even then, like playing by ear didn't even come back as well as it could have until I started teaching. Because I have to get used to hearing it all again. And kids, sometimes it's exhausting for them to listen at that kind of level. It's just well, the, exhausting. Yeah, that, that inner audiation, it's not, that is something that takes years to develop. Like just, just getting them to listen and think about the song that they're singing. Uh, Mim and I just did a podcast on this. Like if they're listening to the, 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 the accompaniment track, but they're not singing like that is hard for a young child. Like that is hard work. And singing in the mic, I have to say, like some kids can do it, but I had a six, she was five, six at the time. I thought, my goodness, she was one of my sassiest little singers. It would have been a great recording had she not gotten bored halfway through the first take. And that was it. You would mm. like, she wanted to be a star. Like she couldn't, she had no interest in listening to herself. Right. She only had an interest if it sounded like exactly what she was singing along to. So she was a little baby. I, you know. I found that during the pandemic. So when I, when all my students went online and they had to do self tape performances, that was the comment that I got over and over again. Oh, I had to do this a couple of times. I'm like, yes. And <laughs> while it took a long time, I'm like, and? yeah, it oh, does. It does. It takes like, a long it's time. It's like you hear things, but it was like for a lot of my students, it was such a great exercise because they weren't listening to themselves. They weren't, they weren't watching themselves on video. They weren't listening to themselves and they had no choice. That's how you had to participate. And it made such a difference. And I saw them level up. Yes, it was uncomfortable in the beginning, but they got so much better. And I was like, see, I was asking you guys to videotape yourselves and record yourselves way before there was a pandemic. But now that's a great idea. But you know what? That's a great idea. I hadn't even thought of videos. I was just starting to ask people to record themselves on a voice memo. And believe it or not, the kids are way, way more fierce Mm. than the Mm. adults. A lot of the adults, unless they're, oh my gosh, I have very timid adults. Unless they're going to be professionals, Mm -hmm. kids generally will go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I love, you know, there is a, there is at least in my experience. Yeah. There's a fearlessness with the little ones. I also think too, like when you get little ones and you get them started and you give them that safe space and that creative space, it it helps them go through puberty a little more gracefully. (laughs) 
I, yes, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how old your son is. Mine's 14. We are definitely in. Oh, 12. Yeah. My daughter's 12. It's gnarly. It is gnarly. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness. Um, yes. <laughs> the smell. I even tell my kids, did you know that people, that kids pay money to hang out with me? I can't even get mine to like have dinner. They don't want to have dinner. You know, people I, will like go on a wait list to like hang out I with know. me and talk about music. Whatever. No, I say the same thing to my son. He couldn't, he honestly <laughs> just like who, and what you, I want to circle back what you said at the beginning about your parents, about how they were incredible sight readers. If my son were to say lovely things like that about me, I would be so happy. My mom, she was an amazing singer. She could sight read anything. I'd be like so happy that I would have, I would have been, that would have been amazing. Um, I want to, uh, I want to circle back to, um, I, I have some questions. You have been touring lately. You've been back performing. Um, and first of all, it must feel amazing after the pandemic to get back and to see your people and people cheering you on. Can you speak to that? It, it, well, the last time I toured was the March 5th and 6th of 2020. Oh my gosh. And yes. So I was the last concert for many of the people that came back out three years wow. later. And I played the same cities. Wow. So that was even more intense. Um, this is the part of my school studio thing that I'm starting to separate now. So I have this production company where I am producing and co-writing and developing artists. I don't care how old they are. I love it when, if they're good and they're 55 or 60, let's go. I love it. All I care if, is if it's good and it's original, really. And then the rest is a bit of luck and hard work and yeah. pounding the pavement, right? Yeah. But I'm taking some of the students. So for the first time ever, I'm going to be releasing um, a double album of co-writes from students in my studio before oh, I kind of separated exciting. that. Yeah. And some of the students that are just writing for fun are going to have songs on my album, which is really exciting for them and exciting for me. And so that's when I can show people some production if they have an interest and they ask, then we'll get it going like that, kind of off the cuff, um, back to answering that question. So this this first run, I brought out Aria Knight and Samantha DeLuca, who I've been co-writing with and producing for, gosh, Aria Knight, it's been almost six years. Wow. And Sammy, both are my assistants too, four. And... Um, Sammy's single Love Me in the Light is well over 100,000 streams right now. Wow. It's crazy. Yes. And we haven't done anything yet. So you took them out when you played and you did you mm -hmm. showcase them? Oh my goodness. What an incredible opportunity for a young artist. Oh yeah. They were, they were, I, I do it a lot in LA too. Like I, during the pandemic, I did a lot of online shows and whoever was here and didn't have COVID. Right. And we were, if we were writing together, I would use what I could to get them some exposure. So that part of my job, I'm going to be doing more shows, but I'd like to do them around master classes. Mm. So that is, as I'm finishing my book, I'm writing a book called The Charlotte Martin Vocal Method, which fuses operatic singing techniques and pop. Wow. And it shares all of this. Basically, it's just my life of singing and the things I've had to do. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a specific method, but it's all my teachers. 
Wow. One of them did the body breath stuff. The other one was vowel modification. The other one was, what's your point? There's your brain. And I want to promote that because that to me, that's like my longevity life's work, singing. The songwriting is my, is like my husband. <laughs> it's like my date. It's like every time, like there, it's all, I, it's such a magical, mystical process it it feels like I should give these songs a shot and so, and these people a shot. Like some of the talent I have, it is unbelievable some of the talent I have now. Some of the songwriters and singers. And I mean, I'm working with Louise Post kid from Baruch Assault. And then Louise Post is doing a solo project. And then I get to like be around her. She may want to take voice lessons. Um, the pool, because I'm doing both, it's a different kind of thing. So I can, I can tailor voice lessons now for people that are getting ready to go into studio or conditioning, getting ready for tour. That's a different animal, a totally different animal than getting someone ready to, you know, do the operatic junket in Europe. Mm -hmm. It's just a different, mm -hmm. different way to train. How do you warm up for a TV show at six in the morning when you haven't had any sleep? What kinds of things do you do if you have no voice? Like, what do you do? Just basic things like that. So I'm, that is the only way I can think of to connect those two. Like for, for example, I was putting everything together. This year will be the first year I do a recital and then I'm going to play a headline show and do a showcase for the songwriters separately. If they're voice students and they want to sing in the recital, amazing. I love it. But some of these people like want to get record deals. One of them I'm working with has one. I have to keep, I don't want to confuse the waters. Yeah. basically for the business people. And I don't want to intimidate in any way. Like, even if I weren't a professional singer, I would for sure be studying music. I have so many adults that are passionate about the pursuit of singing and the study of music and the study of, or even just playing their favorite song by ear because it's important to them because that's their release. That's their connection to themselves, their own personal time. I have to make that time for myself because I'm busy giving my services and my music to everybody else. Right. right. And so they get this just for them. And I don't want to make them feel badly about it because it's just as important as the people trying to do it for a living. Yeah. I, I really, my biggest takeaway from that Charlotte is like, you've had such a long career. You have so many skills and you are sharing your passion and just serving so many people in such a wonderful way. I think, you know, everybody talks about finding your ideal client, but you are, you are using all of your experiences and just really giving people a safe space to just discover who they are. I'm thinking when you're talking, I'm thinking if I had met a Charlotte Martin, when I was starting to be that creative person, how, how much less imposter syndrome I might've had, how much, how I might've been more fearless in pursuing things or in, in advocating for myself. Like, I think it's such a beautiful thing that you're doing. I, I have a really personal question and I, and you don't have to answer it <laughs> if you don't want. <laughs> you can ask me anything. Okay. You have, uh, I, re I read your, um, your article in, um, the Huff post mm -hmm. and it was, it was really heartfelt and beautiful. And I, and I like, I just, it was a, 
and I'm going to put a link to this article that that Charlotte wrote, and it's called "I Signed a Big Record Deal and Thought I Had Made It and Had No Idea uh, What I Was About to Face." And, <laughs> and it was really just a, a just your journey and all the ups and downs. How do you how do you express that to students or to up and coming songwriters? Like, how do you share? the goods and bads with them and not discourage them? How do you handle that? I always start off by saying everybody's path to figuring out how to monetize their art is going to be different no matter what. And I had, I mean, when I was on RCA, I was totally intimidated. That was, those were the American Idol years. Alicia Keys got signed after me. Jay and RCA merged together. You know, there were other singer-songwriters that played piano getting signed, and the dollars, I noticed, were going to other people. And you can't help but wonder, okay, I got an XPN, but KCRW in L.A. hates my voice. Okay. You can't help it. You literally can't help it. How come they got Saturday Night Live and I couldn't get it? Okay, I got the CBS Morning Show. Well, how come she... It's impossible. So you have it just by being in the environment you're always second guessing what you do. And then you have a bunch of people telling you what's good or bad about your art that have nothing to do with music. It is the most humbling process to go through the tunnels of the music business. I've told people it has broken my heart over and over, over the years. And I still come back to it because it's the vehicle that gets me to what I want, which is then what do you want? This is what I ask people. What do you want? Because if your answer is to be rich and famous, I'm probably not the person for you. Because sure, when I came out, you shoot for the big one. And if you get half of that, you're, or even some of that, right. you're pretty good. But I had to ask myself the question, if I don't hit this, because I was positioned to a couple of times, I got close. If I don't hit this, what am I going to, what am I going to do? Like, is that it? Do I move home? Like, And my ex-husband said something to me. He said, Charlotte, if you can pick up your instrument or you can sit down at your piano and you can create art just for yourself and you still get the same kind of feeling that you would, regardless of what it's meant for, then you have the right job. And then I realized my whole life, I've just been trying to make enough money so I can continue to do this job. That is how much I love music. And that is how much it has saved my life. It saved my life. It's broken my heart and saved my life. It still does. The songs I've written, songs I haven't written. You know, I I have have students bringing in stuff where they couldn't write a song at all. Now they can write completely on their own, full chords, full melody, where I'm just going, how did you do this? Mm. How did you do this? And they're just doing it because there's no big secret. There really isn't. It's getting in there and figuring it out, working with people that give you this, like you said, the space and the tools. You do have to have the tools, understanding rhythm, understanding chords, understanding harmony, understanding song structure. And then when it comes to singing, you have to understand, you know, you have to know how to stand. You have to know how to breathe. You have to know what resonation is and registers. And, you know, if it's pop, belting, you know, it could go for days. But if you love it, you love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, so helpful. And I love it imperfect. I love it imperfect. And I love it perfect. 
Mm. That's the thing. <laughs> I like that. That's a great <laughs> way to approach it. Now, before we hit record, you were telling me, you started to tell me how you use watermelon lemonade with one of your students. Oh, yes. Okay. So I have to hear this story. So you created a song that left some blanks in it for kids to come up with their own kind of summer treat right. to plug in, almost like a Mad Lib. So I use Mad Libs with kids. If they have an interest in songwriting, I will use Mad Libs just to see if I can, if I can get them through a Mad Lib, I might be able to get them to write a word treat. It's all, I'm constantly just testing their focus. That's what I'm doing. But with that song, because kids love talking about candy, they love your food rhythms and the, and the cats, the cats. Oh yes. Anything with cats. Yes. Any, but anything with food, candy. So they put in their favorite candy and then they start replacing other song or other words in the song. So I had one student where we went through the whole song and by the end of it, I don't even, it wasn't even about lemonade or drinking anything anymore. It was every week we were recycling. Yes. And then all of a sudden it morphs into these two or three other songs. One of them is in minor. Oh yes. So, or I'll say, can you come up with a sad watermelon lemonade? Oh, I love that. But again, your, your materials, the very first thing I got was the teacher training book. And I read it before I even opened my studio. It was the very first thing. I got, because I didn't know if I were going to be teaching adults or kids at the time. I was just going to open and hope to God someone signed up. (laughs) And that was like, okay, so I'm probably way too complex because I hadn't taught since high school. I I taught in high school, but it wasn't a formal, like I don't have a degree in teaching. I have a degree in opera performance with a heart for teaching because my parents are teachers, but it's not formal. And my goodness, if honestly, I could keep going on and on. If I had not had the full voice, I don't know what I would have done. I wouldn't have thought to come up with things like this for kids. I wouldn't have even thought of it. Food rhythms. Like who would have thought? You, you see what I mean? Like it just disarms them. And you know, you have some teachers, I work, like I teach voice teachers and I, they'll tell me the thought of sitting there with a kid online staring at me with nothing to do. I don't know what to do. I'm like, go here <laughs> to Nikki's website and start reading. And, and it's so easy. You just click buy, 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 buy. They get very, very excited. The parents can print it out. I mean, now I'll print it out in color and send it to them. It's a whole thing. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I give them some of my prizes now at the end of a session are your practice journals. <gasps> oh, thank you. Because I those practice journals. So, so well, first of all, I want to say thank you for sharing all of those successes that you have. And it just, it really helps. Um, when we see like the magic that you're doing in your studio with your students, I share it with the team and I'm like, look at what Charlotte's doing with her, with her peoples and look at how she does all this stuff. And I think there was a video, you were doing some solfege games and, and you were really working on skills that I just, we, we really love that feedback. And I am so thrilled that you are creatively playing with the resources, because that's how we invented. That's how we develop the resources. We we work with them with the kids. And I have to tell you, and you probably know this, and the listeners, there's a lot of times where the, what our initial idea is too complex. And the kids, and the kids, they don't, they are, they're like either too confused or the kids will just simplify it for us. And we'll be like, oh, 
There it is. Yep. yep. There it is. Yes. There's the game. There's, there it is. They, right? they can literally, oh my goodness, this singer dare thing that I've been trying to do. There's like baby ones and I've been trying to develop this one and the vocal exploration chart book. Yeah. The kids are obsessed, but it can go, it's great for remote teaching too. Like you're, so I have a jar of doom. I have to tell you this. I love it. Because of you. Where even online, uh, they get excited when I pull an exercise out. That's it's always a full voice one. I read it to, I let them read it. It gives them, I don't know. It helps me pace the lesson for them, so it's not okay. Stand there, warm up. It's, it makes it so much more colorful, kid led. They have something tangible. They know, like if they're not even feeling like opening up to me, I can say, "Go to your folder. You get to decide what we're doing today." And they have. A, all of this beautiful music they can pick from and they can feel like they're in control, which they are, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think I want to thank you for all of that because like that is one of the, one of the first videos you showed, you shared on Instagram, you just the, the smiles that you could see with the, the, the little student you had and the exercise you were doing. It's just so lovely, right? Like when we, when we turn our egos off, that's the one thing that I love about working with kids is, is I get to like, like you said, student led, right? The, the kid led, yeah. student led. There's something beautiful in that work. It's hard for some teachers to step back, especially if you've gone through like the, the master apprentice approach yourself. And if you've been in formal training, like you and I have, that's kind of the way, but there's something beautiful about stepping back. I want to thank you, um, for, uh, for talking to me today and sharing how you use our resources, but also your story and how you work with your songwriters. I, I think, uh, I think there's just so many young people, one of the most healthy, and helpful things they can do is have a space where they can learn to express themselves creatively. You know, like what you were saying, your your student that does the the lines and she's come up with her whole language. You know, what a what a gift that you've given those students. And I want to thank you. And I wanted to I wanted to direct people so that they can discover more about you. You have some songwriting, you're working on some potential songwriting workshops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we usually do those in the summer, which I'm planning on doing this summer. Okay. Uh, I love doing my group stuff in the summer. That's when I'll do a block of songwriting sessions. And generally I split people up and we, we either, they get to pick a topic. I don't expect people to be able to do any kind of chord writing when it's open like this. So what I will do, I have ways to accommodate people that don't understand chords. We'll give them what I call a chord palette which is not, it's not an app doing it. They still get to plug in and figure out if things sound good. Um, and, but I, I want them to be able to take something away from it. And I basically almost like the way I do with kids, we start with the free association writing. We start with the structures and then I tell them to forget it all and dig deep. Nice. Nice. Now, where can people find and follow you? Um, well, my music is everywhere there is music. (laughs) That is how long I've been doing it. Uh, and my website, um, charlottemartin.com or my socials, uh, Instagram is Sharmar music. I did not name myself Sharmar, just so you know. Oh, (laughs) apparently I'm Sharmar everywhere. 
Oh no! At some point, I w- my fans started calling me Sharmar, so that is what is oh, stuck. That's the, I guess. Okay, I like that. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm really, really into posting the stories. I'm going to be posting more on YouTube because those little tiny. A lot of people are getting nuggets from just me posting that stuff, and I don't even edit that. I just hit post, post. I probably should. I probably should. But those are great ways. And then I'm going to have new music coming out um, this year. Oh, in, in digital stores in June. Yes. Oh, I'm so I'm excited. excited. I am going to put links on the podcast show notes for everyone who wants to find and follow you and discover. And again, I want to thank you for the work you do. It's so beautiful and sharing your story. It's, I can't, I'm, I'm truly thrilled that you've been a guest on our show. Well, I'm a huge fan of yours and I'm a huge fan of what you're doing for kids. Really? Because there's not, Music education is not what it was when I was a kid. I was very lucky to have excellent public school music education. So that's why I feel your work is even more important. Like literally the future of music. As we see what gets popular and what is not, you're doing a very, very important work. And I'm really into it. So I'm going to continue to be your biggest fan. Okay. Well, then we will continue to stalk each other. Yes. All right. (laughs) Sounds great. A very special thank you to Charlotte for that. Such a great interview and and such a an amazing uh, lifetime of experience. Now Charlotte gave me a gift and she said that I could share it with my listeners. So Charlotte is releasing some new music in a couple of months, but she has kindly given me the the track. And um, I can't, I can't wait to share this. So we are going to finish this podcast with her new upcoming song. It's called Atlantis. And my friends, as always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing.
I'll take high.